So if you're visiting with us this morning, another word of welcome. We are so glad that you're here. You need to know that uh, we're picking up on a conversation that we're having for the entire Advent season based on our Advent theme, Oh Holy Night, Stories from the Manger. When you think about it, every character that arrives at the manger in Bethlehem had a holy night encounter that led them there. There was a holy interruption in the mundane of their life. There was a holy startle that changed the course of their life. Last week, uh, Dr. Ted Wardlaw from Austin Seminary was here and he preached a sermon about Joseph. When we all know who Joseph is and we know what happened to Joseph after the manger scene, this week we're going to pick up on the shepherds. And we don't know much about the shepherds, and we certainly don't know what happens to them after the manger scene. And the shepherds are the cast of characters in this entire story get, that get thrust into the spotlight, a place that they're not used to. And so we're going to turn to the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to pick up on the, in the eighth verse, and we're going to learn about these shepherds and the holy startle that found them in the midst of their mundane. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Listen, because this word may just change your life. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom the Lord favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child laying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. Just as you hovered over 
field. Thousands of years ago. Remind us, oh God, that you hover here and that you continue to bring the good word of great joy for all your people. Breathe new life into these ancient words. Breathe new life into our lives that we may see a new path of faith. Breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts. That all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Raise your hand if you were ever uh, at a Christmas pageant and things did not go as planned. Okay, ten of us. We'll hold one next week. I love Christmas pageants for that reason. Especially Christmas pageants in Presbyterian churches. Because friends, let's be honest. We like to plan things. We like to have scripts and rehearsals, and yet no matter what we plan, no matter how many times we rehearse them, there's always that angel that goes rogue. <laughs> there's always that, uh, that little child that we think is so cute before they get up here, and right when they're supposed to keep quiet, they end up throwing up all over their parents, or that sheep. Who ever thought that we should use live animals, by the way? <laughs> it's that sheep who doesn't ask anyone but just leaps right into the manger with Jesus, changes the whole thing. I got to tell you, I used to think Christmas pageants were really cute with, with those holy interruptions, but I got to tell you, it's only cute if it's not your kid, right? <laughs> I got to tell you. The real stars of every Christmas pageant, and you know this to be true, this is the one time in church where Jesus is not the answer, okay? The real star in Christmas pageants are the angels and the magi. I mean, can you blame the little kids? When, when given the choice of anyone to be in the entire Christmas pageant, who wouldn't pick the dazzling white clothes or the costume that comes with a crown or with wings? The stars of the Christmas pageant are the angels and the kings and now the queens. The shepherds, on the other hand. The shepherds have to be coerced. You got to say to your kid, yeah, but there were shepherds there. Don't you want to be a shepherd? And they say, no, I want to be a king. And you say, yeah, but look at all these costumes waiting for you to be a shepherd. And they say, can I be a queen? And said, you said, no, why don't you be a shepherd? And they say, but... Clothes are dirty, if they know that word. <laughs> and you wrestle them in that sackcloth and they grab a staff. They know what we all know. Shepherds aren't glamorous. Their clothes aren't shiny. Shepherds don't give off that heavenly glow. No, shepherds are lowly, dirty, smelly, rough. No wonder that every year when we reenact this Christmas story, 
that the shepherds represent less than half of all the angels and all the kings and the queens in attendance. And yet, and yet, the gospel writer of Luke brings these shepherds to the very center of the Christmas story and to our passage this morning. Let's be abundantly clear. The shepherds were not the stars of the ancient Near East either. Shepherds were outcasts. Shepherds were uh, those people who couldn't find work anywhere else so they could be a shepherd. Being a shepherd was hard work. It was uh, seven days a week, rain or shine. When it was cold and when it was warm. Did you know that in the ancient Near East, many of the good religious folk Look down on shepherds. They looked down on shepherds because all shepherds did was work all the time. They were ritually unclean. They couldn't even come into the temple and observe the Sabbath. And beyond that, shepherds were known to be pretty dishonest. Because a shepherd, their job was to lead their flock to fields to eat. And shepherds lived fully into that call. And they would lead their flock right into your field to eat your food on your land without asking you. Shepherds weren't even allowed to testify. In fact, testimony of shepherds was not admissible in court and many towns in the ancient Near East tried to bar the shepherds from the city limits. Oh man, there was no good news for shepherds. These are the people. These shepherds, Luke makes them the central figures of our passage this morning. And let's be clear, these aren't just your regular shepherds. This is the night shift, okay? <laughs> these are night shift shepherds. They're keeping watch over their fields by night, comfortable in the darkness, minding their own business, going about their mundane work. The shepherds who have probably given up all things religious, when in good Christmas pageant form, a holy interruption, an unexpected surprise takes place, an angel breaks into their mundane, ordinary lives in a moment that they could have never expected and brings them good news of great joy. Did you hear me read it? For all the people. God chooses shepherds to flip the script on everything that the world had come to expect. And these shepherds who believe that they belonged on the outskirts, on outside the city limits. These shepherds who believed that they belonged more with animals than they did with people in the city. These shepherds who had come to believe that they only belonged with one another. These shepherds are the ones that God uses to be the leading character in God's story. God flips the script. These shepherds are going to shepherd the word that the Messiah has been born. Good news of great joy for all the people is going to be shepherding into the world by them. 
let's be clear. If this good news was ever meant to exclude somebody, like, uh, you know, when you, sometimes people say, well, when you say all, do you mean all? Here's the thing. If this good news was ever meant to have a subsection of people who were not included, it was subsection A, shepherds. God chooses the very people the world would discard to ensure that the world would hear that this is the good news of great joy for all people. Even the shepherds belong to God. So then, uh, if the shepherds belong to God, if even the shepherds belong to God, the next question for us in 2018 is certainly an easy question, right? Who on the margins of our land who on the margins of our land do we struggle to believe belong to God? Another way to put that. Uh, who on the margins of our own city do we struggle to believe belongs to God? That's the easy question, right? Just take the ancient Near East question and apply it to present day. That's a tempting Question. Those are tempting questions, and they're valid. We, should, we should, should certainly wrestle with them. But if we're too quick and we, and we jump to that question, we, we jump to this question for other people, we skip the question that the text is asking <coughs> of us and our own lives. The question of what part of your life, what uh, area of your heart, what part of your relationship do you feel like is in the wilderness? Would anyone else rather deal with the question about who's on the margins rather than deal with their own stuff? Okay, me. Because the reality is we all have stuff. Each and every one of us. And it is so tempting in this season to be busy so we don't have to deal with those hard questions. I mean, there's a lot to do in this time of year, right? You got to get your Christmas tree. Got to get it up. We got to get the lights on it. I hope you didn't have an argument over if the lights got put on the tree the right way. I mean, we got to get the Christmas cards ordered. We got to get them perfectly stuffed, we got to get them labeled, and we got to get that stamp just situated in that right corner. We got a lot to do. We got we to make our list, we got to check it twice, and we got to make sure that we're buying the right color. We don't want to ruin Christmas. You get the wrong color jacket and you've ruined Christmas. There's a lot to do. We got to get Angel we got to get angels off the angel tree. we got to help those who are less fortunate. we got to plan the menu. we gotta, we got to stay busy. There's so much to do. We can get wrapped up in all there is to do so that we can keep the question at arm's length. Because if we can just do it, if I can feel productive, then there's no way that question, I don't have time to wrestle with everything that's going on in here. 
Friends, you may not be on the margins of religion. You may not be on the margins of the world like the shepherds were. But you may just look around and think, well, I don't know. Look at this sanctuary. Everybody seems like they have it together. Why is my life such a mess? You may see families celebrating together and you miss the days. And you miss the people who made you feel like you had something to celebrate. Maybe your schedule is so packed with Christmas parties, you know, three out of four nights a week. But in places that you don't want to talk about at those Christmas parties, you wish your marriage or your relationship was as full as your calendar. Maybe traditions have had to change. Maybe this is the year that the kids are with the in-laws. You know they do the every other year thing. Maybe they're not with you. Maybe this will be the first Christmas without, a, without your beloved at home. Maybe home has so dramatically changed for you that you can't imagine that God's going to show up in your life this year. Oh, friends, what parts of your life feel like you are in the wilderness? What parts of your heart are in the wilderness away from God? we got to ask that question because what we learn from the text, and not just in Luke, but th throughout the entire Bible, that the wilderness places of our lives and our world is the very place that God shows up. It's the very place that God breaks in. It's the very place that God shines light in darkness. It's the very place that God brings good news of great joy for all the people. Over the last two weeks, I've been uh, praying and reflecting on this text in the midst of all the running around and getting ready in our house. And it's occurred to me over the last two weeks, this story is less about what the shepherds do. Shepherds don't really do anything. <laughs> story that is less about what the shepherds do and more about what God does for them and through them. God draws them into the joy that will be shared throughout the world. The story is not about the shepherds who were in the right place at the right time. It's a story about how God breaks into the mundane of their lives. A story about how God breaks into the world and into our lives in moments we don't expect. A holy startle to remind us that we are included in this promise of all, a holy interruption, a holy startle that points us to the good news that we belong to God, that we're included in that all. Last uh, Christmas, my friend Kate was in Charlotte uh, for Christmas. It was their year to go to Charlotte to be with her in-laws. They do the every other year thing. They were in Charlotte the week of Christmas. She wanted to do some last-minute shopping when she arrived to Charlotte, and so she went out all day. It was late in the afternoon. She was going to meet up with the rest of the family at a restaurant, and so she popped into a, a nearby boutique. 
She had to kill some time. She wasn't really interested in buying anything. But she walked into the door, and there was a, a, a sales lady who was very excited to see Kate. She was hoping to make Kate a customer, and Kate was there just to pass time. You ever been there? <laughs> so Kate began to uh, walk around the store, and before long she noticed that this woman had become her shadow. And the woman began asking Kate all kinds of questions, and my friend Kate says, I was only going to give her three responses, all one-worded answers. Yes, no, maybe. And the woman began following me, and every question she asked, Kate said I would say yes, or no, or maybe, until I got to the very back corner of the store, and I realized, oh man, she's got me cornered now, I don't have a way out. It's when the sales lady asked her a question that she couldn't respond to in three words. She said, so what brings you to Charlotte for Christmas? And Kate said, well, I'm here with my husband's family this year. We're here to celebrate all week. It's good to be with that side of the family. And the woman said, oh, who are your in-laws? And Kate said, well, Tom and Susan Simpson. And the sales lady said, oh, then you must be Kate. <laughs> and Kate said, yeah? sales lady Ashley said, I am so glad to meet you. I'm in the same uh, small group Bible study as your mother-in-law, and uh, we've been praying for you for the last three years. And Kate said, you've been praying for me for the last three years? She said, how do you even know me? She said, it's easy. Your mother-in-law came to Bible study three years ago, said you were in divinity school, and we should be praying for you, and that her son had just met you, and he thought that you could be the one. I've been praying for you by name every day for the last three years. Kate said, I'm going to dinner. I'm not actually going to buy anything, Ashley, but I was so glad to meet you. A holy startle. Good news of great joy for all people. My friend Kate wanted nothing more than to keep Ashley at arm's length. I just want to kill some time. Not here to buy anything. holy startle interrupted her life and brought her joy and a relationship. She even emails with Ashley today. Friends, we all need these moments of holy interruption, moments of grace that interrupt the mundane. We need moments of joy that startle us into paying attention to God's holy presence in the midst of our routines, moments of healing that allow us to let go and to begin to let go of the pain that we carry. We need this God who breaks into our lives with good news of great joy. That's the startling news of this season. That God has not given up on you. God has not given up on the world. God has not given up despite the wounds that we may carry and the wounds that tell us that we want to give up on God. Maybe the very thought of wrestling with one of the questions I've posed to you this morning is the last thing that you want to do. Maybe you don't want God in those places of your heart and heart. 
because it can be terrifying. The angel shows up and says, do not be afraid. Is your name Kate? Because this news is indeed for you. My dear friends, when we move towards acceptance of, good, of this good news, it changes everything. It changed the shepherds and how they arrived at the manger that night so long ago. It will change how you live and see the world. I'll close with this story. I'm reminded of the manger scene that we celebrated here at Preston Hollow two years ago over in Jubilee Hall. As is the custom with Christmas pageants, we rolled out the costume racks. Every child got to pick what person they wanted to be. There were more angels and kings and queens than there were shepherds. We huddled all of our young people up. We read through the plan. We said, this is your cue when you're supposed to arrive. Just wait for it. The pastors, they'll let you know. Everything was set, directions were given, the scene was staged, and the pastors began reading the Christmas story. It was going beautifully, just like we had planned. But then when we got to the part of the story about the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night and the angels visiting them, the shepherds and the angels all 40 of them, just tiny little things there in the back. They didn't wait for their cue. They heard their name and they sprinted down the center aisle of Jubilee Hall and they surrounded the manger scene. They all started laughing. They started pushing one another out of the way. They wanted a front row seat to the manger. The pastors thought everything had gone wrong. Because when the story got to the part about the kings, the kings, having, having seen what the, the shepherds and the angels did, they didn't wait for their cue either. <laughs> they came spreading down the middle aisle, and they jumped over the angels and the shepherds. They wanted to be in the manger. And they added more joy and laughter to the bunch. Not one child waited for their cue. Not one child waited for us to invite them. For I believe that they knew that this invitation had already been extended to them. Good news of great joy for all people. They knew that they belonged at the manger with Jesus, and they did not waste any time getting there. Shepherds at that first Christmas received good news of great joy for all people. And they learned in receiving that news that they were part of the all. No matter what anyone else said, no matter what pain had kept them away in the past, they were included in the all. And my dear friend, so are you. So am I. Thanks be to God for that good news. May it be so. Amen.